Welcome to the Future of Insurance Industry Leaders Podcast. I'm Denise Garth, Chief Strategy Officer at Majesco. If you're interested in the latest industry trends and new technologies that are reshaping the future of insurance, you're in the right place. Stick around to hear my discussions with industry leaders as we help uncover today's emerging opportunities for the future of insurance. Welcome everybody to today's podcast, the Future of Insurance Industry Leaders Series. And I'm really thrilled today to have two key people from PwC that we're working with in our strategic partnership, Scott Bussey and Sandeep Thakkar. Welcome, guys. Welcome. Thank you. Hello, Denise. Hello. Today's focus we wanted to really kind of talk about, which will be in a two-part series, is really around data and analytics at a broad level. Before we kind of dive into that, Sandeep, why don't you give a little background on yourself and your role at PwC? And then Scott, if you could do the same. Sure. Thank you, Denise. Partner in PwC, I'm part of the cloud and digital platform. We focus on data and analytics transformation for our insurance clients, which basically includes coming up with the underlying data transformation strategy for our clients, ensuring that we put sort of the right operating model in the architecture and the technology stack for them to be successful on this journey. I manage large data transformations for all sort of lines of business, life, group policy, property casualties. So happy to be part of this podcast. Looking forward to a great conversation. Great. And Scott? Yeah, thanks, Denise. So Scott Bussey, I work closely with Sandeep. I'm also a partner out of our Chicago office and I lead our data and analytics practice for insurance. And that really covers everything across the data lifecycle from strategy to operating model design to data transformation through advanced analytics. I've been in that business for about 25 years, so I'm really excited to have this conversation. I've often said data is the lifeblood of this industry because everything we do is really based on data. But as an industry, we're really wrestling with a data conundrum, a fundamental problem with the operating model, the talent, and a technology perspective. What do you guys see as the challenges for insurers from these three perspectives and what's holding them back from leveraging data? Sandeep, do you want to start? Sure. So I think when we think about operating model, you know, the sort of the promise of data, the insurance companies have caught on. And I feel like just spending time and investing in the data platform has begun about, I would say about, you know, 20 years back and PNC companies have have done really well life and the other group benefits are sort of catching up. I think the fundamental problem in the operating model is just having that really clearly defined relationship between what I call the typical data organization, the information technology partners and the business partners, you know, that hasn't yet settled down. And then in middle of all of this, as our clients are moving to the cloud, which fundamentally disrupts their business model and how they were organizationally set up, they've had all these on-prem data assets and all of the data investments you know, going back 20, 30, 40 years. And as they move to the cloud, you know, they're struggling. How do we, you know, ensure that A, that movement is well orchestrated. They can have seamless interaction between all of these groups. And just the dust hasn't settled down for them to really effectively get the ROI on those investments, at least from an operating model perspective. Scott, anything you would add to that? Yeah, I certainly agree with all that. And it's, it's kind of interesting, you know, if you think about this problem, this conundrum that you speak of, it, it used to be that there wasn't enough data available. And now we have almost the opposite problem where there's so much data available, it's how to filter through the noise. And that, you know, that starts with organizing your data in a usable way and then applying analytics in a way that actually helps 
drive decisions. And everybody, I mean, everybody, not just in the insurance industry, but all industries trying to get better at this. And there's just not enough talent out there to go around, even with the advances in technology that make this a little bit easier than, than it used to have been. You know, there Organizations still need people that understand the business in order to effectively use the information that they're presented and even to define those requirements up front in in the first place. So, you know, a lot of times we refer to them as analytics translators. So despite the advances in technology, the the gap in the talent has really become um, an issue that we're seeing across the industry. Yeah, I think talent is a big area of focus. And obviously, you know, talent has a lot of different dimensions to it. You know, the talent at being able to really use the analytics types of tools and, and modeling. You know, we've often thought about the actuaries where really where a lot of that was at and a lot of actuaries have really transitioned into those types of roles. But I'm also seeing uh, companies bringing in talent from outside the industry, from other industries that have really leveraged data and analytics at a far greater level. And kind of having that outside the box perspective, do you think that's another aspect of this that's kind of a fundamental problem, guys? I do. I, th- I think it's getting a little bit better. You know, one of the things that the insurance industry, I would say, struggled with more so five years ago that's getting a little bit better is that attraction of talent. Because to be honest, a lot of people weren't coming out of college with data science degrees saying, I want to go into insurance. But I think that's changing a bit. And there's, there's so much innovative analytic work going on in the insurance industry. And I think that some of that talent, whether it's people that are from other industries that are more experienced or even you know, campus hires right out of school, are starting to recognize the fact that the insurance industry is ripe for analytic talent. And there's tons of different ways to apply that knowledge uh, across the, the, the value chain. You know, to your point, this used to be a very underwriting and actuarial focused type of capability that insurers were, were looking for from an analytics perspective. But now it's across the value chain. It's looking, you know, we're looking at product design and understanding the customer and distribution and marketing and finance and really every part of the value chain within insurance can be enhanced with better data and better analytics. So, you know, we need we need talent. We need it all over the place when you look across an organization. Insurance is finally getting cool and sexy, huh, Sandeep? I, I was gonna say, just add one other point on talent. <laughs> this is the you know talent. The, the talent problem with insurance is sort of a double-edged sword. You know, today, maybe it's not true, at least the last couple of years, but insurance companies have great, great employee retention. There's a lot of institutional knowledge they've built over the years, and, you know, they don't have a, a significant turnover as we see amongst other financial services organizations. And so what has happened is that, you know, they have not kept up with a lot of the you know, learnings and, and development and change as the new technologies have rolled and new business models have rolled in. So it's a little bit of a, you know, they have all these great people. Fundamentally, if learning and development change management sort of programs are, are introduced and, you know, conscientiously, seriously, I feel that there is, you know, there is ability for them to solve the talent problem to some extent. Getting on this journey and really kind of dealing with this data conundrum Many insurers are trying to move from their data repositories or their warehouses that have primarily been built on an on-premise kind of platform and trying to move to the cloud where you have access, probably lots of other types of data and tools. What are the challenges and opportunities that you're seeing with the insurers you're working with making that move from on-premise to cloud and having access to more data and uh, tools? I can start, Scott, and if you can jump on. Uh, 
I think that, you know, fundamentally that like the probably one of the biggest questions and the problems we are dealing with amongst our client base right now. Uh, and just because there are too many choices, you know, you have Amazon, Google, Microsoft. So as these insurers are making that decision, there are just too many choices, you know, whether we go native, whether we do the best of breed. And if you marry that up with the kind of talent they have, you know, it just becomes a very difficult scenario for them to land on what is the optimal path forward. Given with that, you think about all of the legacy investments they have in all of the data assets, you know, user defined, buried in business, you know, not knowing who's sending what. And you think about migrating all of that to the new cloud platform, it just becomes very, very difficult for them to land on what is the right path forward. And then one other thing I would add, the reason why this has become such a challenge is that we just talked about their operating model and they have, you know, teams and structures of organizations defined to ensure the care and feed of the on-prem assets. And as you move to the cloud, infrastructure and, and services and security all have to be managed differently. And the underlying organization structure just have not kept up to, to say, okay, what is the most now optimal structure to ensure that our journey to cloud, A, we do it in a timely manner and get all of the ROI we were promised for going to the cloud. So those are some of the things which I think come to mind. Yeah, I totally agree. And you know, in addition to those complicated decisions around the technology stack, how to manage the conversion is just as big of a decision. Oh, great so point. These, these, these tend to be very large, complex migrations and strategically answering the question around how you wanna do that, whether it's lift and shift versus a re-architect versus totally transforming as part of that conversion becomes very important. We certainly always would recommend a strategy and a plan to guide that investment because otherwise, if you do it in kind of an a la carte manner, it's very difficult. So that's where we see, I think one of the biggest challenges, sort of this non-cohesive strategy to getting from where they are now on-prem into the clouds. So I think having that sort of guiding light is very, very important. And if you don't have it, that becomes you know as big of a challenge as, as you're gonna face. One of the nicer things is we're at a point where, you know, we, we used to always talk about security being one of the biggest issues with moving to the cloud. You know, a lot of carriers are uncomfortable with that, but at this point, insurers are finding that the cloud is, is as secure, more secure than what they have on-prem. So I feel like we've gotten over that hurdle. There's certainly security and privacy challenges that need to be addressed as part of the strategy, but they can with the, with the technology that we have with the, you know, with the providers that we're, we're dealing with now. So at least we've kind of gotten through that hurdle, but now it's really about how do you plan that massive transformation in a way that guides your investment to get you to a cohesive place that makes sense for your organization? Yeah, and, and we talked in preparation for this. It really gets to that technology stack. And how does a cloud provider stack like a Microsoft Azure, an Amazon, a Google, or others compare versus a non-native option like Snowflake? And how does that fit into the journey and where do kind of other solutions fit into this, including a lot of the insure tech solutions that really kind of have developed some really fascinating kind of business specific types of solutions that really address very specific solutions. How do you kind of look at all of that and how it fits together? Yes, very carefully and very comprehensively, but those are all <laughs> part of the strategy that needs to be addressed. But, you know, obviously you've got sort of your base platform, whether it's Azure or Amazon or Google and, you know, those come along with a variety of capabilities sort of natively, but we do see most carriers wanting to have that optionality. You know, there's a lot of multi-cloud solutions out there. 
Snowflake is popular in the sense that, you know, it is, it is not necessarily native to one of the, the underlying providers, but, you know, trying to figure out how all of that fits in definitely is, is part of that strategy. And, and of course, from an insure tech perspective, there's so much investment right now in that space. What we are seeing is most of those insure techs are solving more of a, a niche need with, within the market, right? So you might have an insure tech that's incredibly advanced, but they solely do augmented reality for auto claims, as an example. So I, I see insure techs definitely providing super advanced capabilities, but mostly in niches. And, you know, potentially that ends up something that might be acquired and we might see some consolidation over time. But I do think the insure techs play a, a really important role uh, when we look at sort of the innovation and the advancement of the technology in the industry. Indeed. What I would add is that, you know, agree with everything what Scott said. I think the, the cloud, you know, provider and, you know, the path they take, yes, you, you know, there are instances where you can get a cloud lock-in, a vendor lock-in, and then depending on your size and scale, your geographies, you could face some issues if there's an outage and have to be very careful about vendor lock-in. I think the other, other point is that, the, you know, they really need to have a hard look at the types of problems they're looking to solve. So may, I'll give them an example. You know, if you're if you're deep within, you're really trying to figure out the customer-related problems. You know, really doing a deep dive in the type of problems you're looking to solve and really prioritizing them becomes a key consideration of the path you should choose. And the last piece I'll say about the insurtech solutions, at least amongst my clients, the promise of external data and really you know combining with everything which gets operationally generated. You know, I was I was looking at a report from Noverica recently and. You know, less than 15% of our top careers really take advantage of that external data infusion with the data they generate to then land on a decision, use it in an operational manner. Getting on the cloud, choosing the right InsurTech ecosystem certainly can make it easier if that's what they choose to do. Essentially, like what business problem you're looking to solve should must drive like, you know, the technology path they choose. That's a really important point, Sandeep, and something that, you know, we've thought a lot about was really a key factor in our acquisition of Utilent last year, which obviously has a huge repository of uh, loss control data, but they've also built out some models, but they're not going to be all the models that an insurance company needs. And those are only focused on PNC. So that ecosystem of insure tax is really, really important um, to be able to integrate them or embed them into the processes, you know, within core technology and do it in an easy way. And so, you know, that's one of our big focuses is that ecosystem development and the importance of that, that it gives you options depending on what's happening in the business at that point in time or what kind of data you got. I think there's a place for everybody to play. Would you guys agree? Certainly. Yeah, certainly agree. And, you know, you made a really good point there, Denise, about the integration. And, you know, that I would say that extends even more broadly to analytic models in general. And we've gotten to the point where I don't want to call analytics a a capability or sorry, a commodity, because I'll be out of a job real quick. But, you know, sometimes the analytics is the easy part and the integration and getting the right information within the rest of the technology stack, that's where we really see a lot of the challenge, right? So, you know, I, I think there's a lot of nice plug and play tools out there and analytic models that you can use, but really integrating into the daily processes is Mm -hmm. one of the bigger challenges that we see and how do you operationalize those models. And I think that gets to another topic that we talked about in that this move to the cloud is so crucial, not just from the embedding of the analytics models into the processes, 
but it's just that access to new data sources and the capabilities. And in particular, from a data source standpoint, so much of the data uh, that's growing, as you kind of said at the very beginning, Sandeep, we've got, or maybe it was you, Scott, where we had not enough data. Now we've got too much data. And a lot of that data is almost real-time dynamic data that's coming off of other types of technology like IoT sensors and stuff. It really is getting into other new sources of data about usability, social data, all that kind of stuff that looking at the cloud and access to data sources is critical uh, from that perspective. And in particular, one of the areas that we haven't talked about, so I'd like you to kind of comment on that, but also maybe more specifically around managing distribution channels, because we often are really focused in on the underwriting process or claims or maybe billing, but distribution channels has equally a real need and can really be optimized. What are you guys seeing on both of those fronts? I think I can start on the, on the data piece. You're absolutely right, right? So we've got so much data out there. It's how do you make the most out of it, right? So third-party data is really helping us understand customers, on a personal level, right? We're looking at individuals, we're not looking at demographics and we're also looking at behaviors, right? We're not just looking at, you know, previously we weren't necessarily looking at sort of buying behaviors. We might've been looking at, you know, this is a uh, white female 35 in this zip code, right? But now we're actually looking at the individual and what they want to do. So that excessive amount of third-party data now is allowing us to make decisions at a much more granular level and interact with customers. And you know, I'm talking about the producers here as well, having those interactions with customers in a much more meaningful way where they're talking to that individual. They're not talking to someone sort of that's just like them, right? As far as the distribution channels, what we're seeing carriers do a lot of right now is really understand their producers and maybe agency performance as an example, right? So now we, now we have enough information to really look at is this agency performing well because they're good at what they do or because they're lucky they're in the right market and they're not surrounded by competition, right? So really understanding what that performance is at the agent and agency level is allowing insurers to guide investment in a way that allocates resources to higher performing agencies and gets training for the people that need it. So, so there's a lot of you know, decisions being made now on how to treat agents, producers, that are, that are guided by much more granular levels of, of data kind of across the board. Sandeep? Yeah, to the first part, I mean, the move to cloud is crucial with this new data sources and capabilities. And you think about just the proliferation of IoT and sensors, you know, telematics, every carrier is now really ingesting a lot of information. And they've had traditionally on-prem Hadoop infrastructures, which are unable to keep up. And not only can they not keep up, they're not able to do any sort of meaningful analysis then to influence their pricing and risk models to take advantage of all of that analysis. So they're just not able to keep up. So, I mean, that's an easy sort of like, listen, you can continue to operate like this from an infrastructure perspective. You have to look to move to the cloud to just gain that elasticity, scale and compute. The other piece on the managing distribution channels, uh, you know, a, a client of mine just recently, the CDO was asking us the, the question which he had been asked is that, you know, can you define this? You know, the holy grail for them was uh, like, how do I defend the best of breed producer? Who's doing well and why are they doing well? And if I can then emulate that, then we'd like all of our agents to behave exactly the same manner. It's not an easy question to answer. Are they in the right market? Are they getting the right leads? You know, are they approaching the, you know, the potential customers the right manner by the by the channel of their choice? 
There's just so many fundamental ways to look at and break and slice and dice that problem. Not an easy answer to. And so you think about how do you get level of detail for a question of that nature? You know, you have, unfortunately, you have to harvest more information. You know, now we see our clients really capturing, you know, down to a geolocation of where their customers are or at what time of the day. You know, they're tracking all of the behavior on their websites and then trying to make sense of it as to what pattern is going to be the most useful as they're trying to make that decision of to what are they going to buy? You know, how do you then put up a menu of choices so that they understand, hey, these are the best preferences to put forward to gain sort of the hook into that customer. So again, unfortunately, what new sources of data we see in managing distribution channels, I mean, it just continues to grow. And, and this is a problem where, you know, we would expect that more analysis continues because I don't know if our carriers have really figured this one out entirely. One of the conversations I had with an insurer, a CMO there was really on the PNC side as an example, was the fight for shelf space with the independent agents. Yeah. And as you know, we've been seeing a continued consolidation of the agencies and the agents. And with that consolidation, they have more influence and they will make more determination on where they're going to be placing business. Your point about you know leads and, and what customers want and how they want to engage being able to kind of funnel business into those top performing agencies will get them to really kind of have more trust and loyalty to you. And it really gets you to understand the profitability of those agencies. And I think that's going to become increasingly important as we continue to see kind of consolidation in, in the distribution channel arena, let alone an expansion into other channels that you really want to understand that. Would you guys agree? Definitely. I would actually add to that one other point where as you expand that, you know, the profitability, there's also the ask of the question, like, what is the cost to serve? Like, where are we actually spending our time with? It's, it would be better for us to sever those ties as opposed to continue working with those agents. So, no, completely yeah. agree with you. Yeah, and just to, to add to that, you know, I didn't mention lead management, but I should have because you're, you know, the point that you make certainly hits home there, right? So, you know, there's most carriers are looking at how do we manage our leads better, right? If, if we get a quote online, how do we route that to a call center? How do we, you know, move that around to the right agent? What's the decay rate of that lead look like? So a lot of different carriers are looking at how to optimize that sales funnel to increase conversion. And analytics is the way to do that. And where we've seen some of these carriers be very successful, they're seeing conversion rates that are two to three times higher than what they may have been doing in the past without that insight behind those leads. True. We're talking about a lot of change, dealing with that data conundrum problem, moving from on-prem to cloud stacks, data conversions, um, new sources of data. All of this is creating a tremendous amount of change and the whole governance philosophy and structure needs to adapt with this change as well. Speak to what you guys are seeing as a more advanced kind of governance and philosophy around that within insurance companies that are really leading. I can start. I'm really excited that I finally feel like change management and governance is getting the respect that it deserves. <laughs> um, after, after a couple of dec decades, it's finally not an afterthought. And if I think about what we do with our clients, we're seeing as much work around this as anything else, which is right. So it certainly needs to be part of that strategy and roadmap that I mentioned before. It needs to be integrated within that it cannot be an afterthought. So how you manage your organization and the governance that you put around, not just data, but also the program and then your operating model has to fit in with the strategy of what you're trying to do in order to transform, right? It can't be an afterthought. It needs to be part of it. And another interesting trend 
is as a lot of organizations are going through these major technology transformations, they are using those programs as a catalyst for implementing data governance. So it becomes sort of a, a starting point, a catalyst to push data governance out through the rest of the organization by taking a transformative initiative and applying it there to start and then pushing it to the periphery of the organization. Indeed. The, the price to pay if this isn't done right is huge. A lot of our clients are getting consent orders and, and really the wrong type of publicity. If you think about it, there was GDPR, then California Institute, CCPA. And with the advent of you know trying to use machine learning and analytical models, those questions are just around the corner where it'll be part of a regular and routine audit to demonstrate like, hey, are those models ethical? Are you are you doing the right thing? And you know, are, are, there's no sort of discrimination in how you price. And so not only we have to be able to prove that in a timely manner, this is going to be routine of the questions you get asked on such a regulated industry. So it's a must do. And I concur with Scott that finally we are seeing the right sort of engagement and uptick in this discipline to ensure that, hey, there's business ownership. You know, we can trust and we can publish this information and use it wisely and feel good about it. And, and what has happened is that from a practical perspective, we're definitely seeing this business and IT ownership and and the technology is also kept up the notion of now there's a notion of a data marketplace with a lot of our clients are building this marketplace where the users of information are able to track lineage of what information it is where did it come from what does it mean how am i using it who else has asked for it and really have that sort of an amazon you know type of an experience internally to drive adoption of usage of the data assets and so, yeah, I think, A, the technology is kept up. We are seeing the right relationship between business and IT and really stepping up because, you know, if you don't, the price to pay is very high. So they have to take this very, very seriously. I couldn't agree more. And we've already seen a few kind of fumbles on that in the industry with some insurers having to kind of backtrack on some of that. So it's got a lot of not just ethical aspects, but it's got a lot of brand challenges associated to it as well. Yep, Absolutely. So the way I like to kind of wrap up these sessions is ask my podcast colleagues here to pick one word or phrase that describes the future of insurance. What would it be and why? So Sandeep, let's start with you. I'd say it's like insurance is ripe for disruption. And the reason I say that is that probably a cliche statement now, but the change which we had anticipated to happen now, all of that has come together in the last couple of years, the advent of cloud and just the business models changing and the entry of insurtechs. And fundamentally, the underlying processes on the insurance have not changed. So they are just ripe for change. You know, something big, momentous is bound to happen in very near future. So I would go with disruption. And you, Scott? Well, I'm a big Yogi Berra fan, so maybe I'll steal from him and say it's tough to it's tough to make predictions, especially about the future. But if you wanted to really nail it down, I think you know, and it's similar to what Sandeep said. I would say dynamic, right? Because we don't really know where it's going. It is very uncertain. It's exciting given all of that. But yeah, I'll I'll, I'll say dynamic. I love that word. That's a new word I haven't heard <laughs> used. So guys, thanks so much for your insights here around data. I think that there's so much opportunity ahead that insurers really need to kind of step back and to your point earlier, kind of look at their strategy and how are they going to transition to that? Because it's going to be kind of one of those defining elements that will drive growth, drive profitability, 
and also I think just drive uh, customer experiences. So thanks so much for this. And we'll talk again soon and dive into analytics. Sounds good. Thanks, Denise. Thank you, Denise. That's a wrap for this week's episode of the Future of Insurance Industry Leaders podcast. Be sure to sign up for our email list and follow us on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss out on our next episode. I'm Denise Garth, wishing you a happy podcasting.